Happy Mother's Day. The lights are going to come up. Uh, teaching this class about all the qualities of magnetism and teaching them about magnets and how they work. And he uh, spent the whole class teaching them that. The next day he had a quiz for them. Sounds a little hollow. Hello, hello. He had a quiz for them. The first question on the quiz was, uh, my name begins with M, and it's a six-letter word. I pick up things. What am I? So he was trying to make it really easy for his junior high class. Half of the class put mother. You know, what would we do without moms, right? They pick up after us. They rescue us constantly from things. Uh, They provide for us. Uh, I can't imagine where I would be without my mom. My mom is a disciple of Jesus, and she and my dad are, uh, he's an elder in the New York church. They're in the ministry there, and uh, just been heroes uh, in the faith my whole life. And my mom really passed on to me her own faith and taught me to love God, taught me to respect His Word, taught me to respect authority, taught me to... Uh, trust God that His way always works. I'm so grateful for all of those lessons that I learned from my mom. I can't imagine where I would be without her. And I have a memory uh, when I think about parenting, I think about uh, you know memories from childhood and everything. I was reminded of it this weekend. I'll tell you why I was reminded of it in a minute. But uh, I remember being a young teenager, 14 years old, maybe 15, having a, a big sleepover for my birthday. And there's three things I remember from that day. I remember uh, from that night. I remember uh, my mom uh, made these homemade pretzels where we each could make our own pretzel and uh, kind of form it and shape it the way we wanted and put, put our own toppings on it, whatever. So I remember eating these delicious pretzels. And then I remember we went down in the basement and the, the whole basement was full of all these sleeping bags. There's probably eight or ten uh, young teen boys sleeping over. And I remember staying up until 4 a.m. It was the latest I'd ever stayed up in my life. So it was like a a new milestone for me. And then I remember one of the kids uh, had eaten way too many pretzels and threw up all over the sleeping bags in the middle of the night. And of course it was mom that had to deal with that issue and that situation. And that's just what moms do, don't they? Uh, We had our own sleepover this last weekend with uh, my son's for my son's 14th birthday. And we had a bunch of... Kids sleeping over. My my wife was out there, the the awesome mom, you know, at 2.30 in the morning telling them maybe they should turn down the video games a little bit. And she was up at 7.30 the next morning making them uh, pancakes and and bacon and all this, you know, just trying to give to her kids. And uh, that's who moms are. They they provide for us. They give to us. They're always there to help. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. The title of the lesson is Here to Help. Here to help. We're going to be looking at how God is really here to help us. And let's say a word of prayer, and then we're going to turn over to Luke chapter 7. Let's pray. God, thank you for the way that you do provide for us. Thank you that truly you are here to help. Uh, God, help us to open our hearts and open our minds to your scriptures right now, and help us to uh, be able to, to have open hearts to what you want us to, to hear from your message today. We love you, God. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, sometimes I can feel... Like God is is not necessarily here to help. You know, if I look back, there's times when I've been so guilty of my own sin 
my own, uh, you know, iniquities and the ways that I fall short that I think, well, God is not really here to help. He's here to punish or he's here to teach me a lesson or he's not going to listen to me because I know myself. I know how sinful I am. You ever felt that way? Like he's here to judge me. There's been times where I've just, just things are going great and I'm feeling good about things and, and things are, you know, moving along fine and, and I, I'm embarrassed to say I don't really even ask for his help. Or it's, it's like I don't even see my need for his help because things are going well. And, and both of those extremes are not good. You know, we've got to, uh, the, the Bible teaches that we need to have a relationship with God where we're constantly depending on him. God teaches us to pray to him. Jesus teaches us to pray to him as our father and give us this day our daily bread. That we are in a daily relationship with God where we're depending on him daily. And, and if you're if you're visiting with us, we want to teach you that. We want to teach you how to have a daily relationship with God. Uh, not Not where church is just kind of this building. Obviously, we're not in a church building. We're in a high school, right? Or church is not just this event you attend once a week, but it's it's a relationship with God, living in a community of people who have a daily relationship with God. God is here to help. And maybe you felt that way at times, like God is distant. There's a psalm in the, in the Old Testament, where, which is a song that was written many thousands of years ago, where the psalmist says, God, why are you far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? We can all feel that way sometimes, like God doesn't see or he doesn't know what I'm going through. And yet we're going to see from the scriptures today, God is really here to help. In, in Luke chapter 7, since it's Mother's Day, we're going to look at a mom in the scripture. Amen? Come on, moms. Mother's Day, you always got to look at a mom story in the Bible. You don't have to, but I heard of a brother who one time uh, preached this blistering rebuke sermon on Mother's Day, and it was called the Mother of All Sermons. <laughs> but we're not going to do that today. We're going to look at a mom in the scriptures. Luke chapter 7 and verse 11, it says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. The news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. You know, this is a story in the Bible maybe you have forgotten or you don't aren't familiar with. This widow, we don't know her name. We just know she was from this town called Nain. And it's a desperate situation, and yet Jesus intervenes. And we're going to learn three things from this, uh, from this text here. The first thing is, uh, in Luke 7, 11 through 17, hopefully you've been following along there. Uh, the first thing we're going to learn from verse 13 is, his heart went out to her. His heart went out to her. It says, when he saw her, his heart went out to her. Isn't that amazing about Jesus? I mean, he has an entire world to save. He's got thousands of people all around him. He's got his own disciples he's trying to train. And yet you see time and time and time again in scriptures, he, he's moved by the individual. He's moved by her heart. It says his heart went out to her. He saw her pain. It says that, she was a widow, and this was her only son, and now he was, he was dead. And it's, 
They, they say that's the worst pain you could experience as a human being is to, to bear your own child. And, and his heart went out to her. He hurt for her. Maybe he was even looking forward to or, or, or mentioning and thinking in his mind about the pain his own mom would feel. You know how when you see a mom, you, you, you think about your own mom? And, and maybe he was thinking about his own mother and the fact that she would have to bury her son and the fact that he would die, you know, the, the pain that she would go through it. When Jesus was just a little baby, a prophet told her, a sword will pierce your own soul as well. You know, maybe, maybe talking about the soul that would pierce Jesus' side, a, soul will pierce your, a sword will pierce your own soul as well. She, Mary, the mother of Jesus, must have gone through so much pain not knowing that Jesus was going to raise from the dead, not understanding that. And, uh, you know, maybe he was kind of thinking about that in his own mind, but it just says his heart went out to her. What does that mean for us? I, I, I really believe that Jesus sees each individual heart. And Jesus knows your situation. Jesus knows your secret heartache. You know, He knows your ups and your downs. He knows your struggle. He, his heart goes out to you. You ever feel your heart go out to someone and you're sort of filled with compassion for that person? Uh, I appreciate uh, Jesus Moronis in our, in our fellowship here. I, I brought a, a guest to church with me last week at the... At the uh, uh, park service or the week before at the park service. And this is a guy I've been reaching out to for a while. He's, he's, he's kind of desperate right now. He really needs a job. And Jesus kind of interacted with him a little bit. And, and Jesus has been calling and emailing and trying to help him. He's called me a couple times, sent me an email, you know, just trying to help out my friend. Why? Because his heart went out to him. I appreciate the, the way that, you know, when, when guests come to church for the first time, you know, that they, they find a community of people whose hearts go out to them, hopefully, in, in their situation. And, I appreciate the way this church is really striving to reach and impact the poor and help help those who are hurting. I know yesterday there was many who went to serve the homeless. And I love uh, what it said on, on the, the CCB posting uh, our goal was. It says, our goal is to meet three needs. Number one, distribute food, water, and clothing to meet their physical needs. Number two, offer Bible study and prayer for their spiritual needs. And three, offer your friendship to assist with their emotional needs. You know, I really appreciate Hakan Emden who heads that up, and and uh, he he was in this ministry for a while. Now he's in Long Beach, but I appreciate his heart. For, you know, his heart goes out for the poor. His heart goes out for the homeless community, and he is faithful to really serving those people. I'm really challenged by Jesus and the way that his heart goes out. And and I know I can so often be focused on the things I need to get done, or what I'm thinking about, or my worldview. I can be so focused on myself and, and fail to have my heart go out to other people the way Jesus's did. You know, mothers are a great example of this, aren't they? Their hearts go out to kids. Their hearts go out to their own kids. I, I remember uh, just a few weeks ago talking to my wife about a situation with one of our kids, and she was explaining the situation to me, and I kind of got a little bit on, a, on a, a preaching, you know, got up on my pulpit a little bit preaching about something. Well, we need to do this and do this, and I'm really glad that this isn't happening and this is happening, and, you know, kind of going after it. And then she started to cry. And I was like, okay. And she said, you don't understand. It's when, 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 and he, when they're hurting, I hurt. I'm just hurting because they're hurting. She wasn't looking for me to solve the situation, guys. Sometimes our wives are not looking for us to solve the situation. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. So, but, but that's the way my wife is. She, she's an awesome mom, and her heart goes out to our kids. You know, when they're hurting or they're in trouble, her heart goes out to them. And that's what Jesus does for each one of us. Isn't that awesome? That God is like that. The second thing in verse 14. 
It says they went up and t- then he went up and touched the bier they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, "Young man, I say to you, get up." The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. The second thing is, first thing is, uh, heart went out. Second thing is, hope and desperation. You know, Jesus provides amazing hope, and it can't get any worse than this situation. You know, death is so final. You know, imagine the emotions that this woman was feeling. Her son is lost, her son is gone, her son is dead, and death is so final. And it's not like he just died. You know, it's the, it's the funeral at this point. And they're carrying him out of the town to go bury him, and the, 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 it says the bearers are, are carrying him along, and then Jesus comes up and they stop. And can you imagine this corpse just comes back to life? What an amazing, amazing scene. And that's the power Jesus has even today that He can transform any situation. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for Jesus. And yet, so many of us can feel like, well, this situation is too far gone. There is not really hope in my situation. There's not really hope for me. And yet, if we just even look around the room, there are so many stories in this community of of broken lives who've been repaired, broken marriages, people who are on the verge of divorce, who are already separated and living in different houses, who've come back together and they have a great marriage because of the power of Jesus. Healed relationships, healed addictions, uh, people who have, have gained the power to forgive and they thought, I could never forgive this person. I could never overcome this bitterness. And yet, through Jesus, they're able to overcome. I've seen so many times in my Christian life, I've been a, a, a disciple for many years, and I've seen many times... Somebody who, who they, they love God, they, they believe in, 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 in the Word, but they only reach a certain point because their faith is not enough to believe that God is able to help them get past this, this next point. You know, maybe it's confessing something that they're worried that's going to, they can't get past it. You know, that people will never forgive me if they know this, you know, or, or overcoming a sin. They feel like, I just cannot conquer this. I just can't give it up. And, and so they, they kind of take steps toward Jesus and then they just stop. Because they just feel like it's too desperate. There's not really hope here. You guys seen that as well? And yet Jesus offers hope. There is always hope with Jesus. There is always, always hope. I want to look at a, a scripture here. You don't have to turn there. I'll put it on the screen. Uh, Romans 5, verse 1. And this is the New Century Version. It says, Since we have been made right with God by our faith, we have peace with God. This happened through our Lord Jesus, who, who through our faith has brought us into that blessing of God's grace, grace that we now enjoy. So our faith is key. Believing that Jesus is able to raise the dead like he did in this story, believing that Jesus is able to transform our situation is key. We'll never progress if we don't have faith. It says faith is how we get into the right relationship with God in this verse. And then it says, and we are happy because of the hope we have of sharing God's glory. Verse 3. We also have joy with our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience. And patience produces character. And character produces hope. And this hope will never disappoint us. Because God has poured out His love to fill our hearts. He gave us this love through His Holy Spirit whom God has given to us. You know, what, a, what an awesome worldview this is describing, that even when we're in trouble, even when we're going through hard times, we persevere and we know God is working through this. 
And through this trouble, it says, I'm going to learn patience. And through patience, I'm going to develop more character. And through having more character, I'm going to get more hope. The, 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 the disciples in this room should be the, the most hopeful people around. And the longer we're a Christian, the more hope we should have, according to this verse, right? Because we go through more and more troubles, and we get more and more patience, and that develops more and more character, and that develops more and more hope. We cannot be people who lose hope. We've got to be the most hopeful people because God is able to do anything. Even when it looks hopeless, we've got to remind ourselves to have faith and have hope. Uh, you know, it looked like a dark situation in the first century. You know, here, here is Jesus and he just has a few hundred followers. And the Roman Empire is huge and emperor worship is huge and Rome had conquered everything and, 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 and there was idolatry everywhere. And yet the disciples had so much hope. And they changed the entire world world. Just a little band of people changed the entire world. There, there is so much hope, even in our generation, as we look at the darkness in our society, as we look at you know, the, the, the hard things in our community that, where Satan is really working. We've got to have hope. We've got to have hope for our family members, for our friends, for our neighbors, for our co-workers. It's amazing sometimes how we can write people off. Oh yeah, that person would never become a Christian. You know, he's a smoker. You know, uh, she... she She's a lesbian. And we write people off. And yet, what about ourselves? How many people here would have been voted most likely to become a Christian? Okay, Nathaniel. <laughs> Nathaniel. Do you know what I'm saying? If you, if, you, if you go back and ask your high school friends, I mean, so many of us, they tell stories of, of interacting again with our high school friends. or with, you know, They're like amazed still. Nobody would have ever believed. Nobody would have ever believed. So, so why do we not have that same kind of hope for our family members, for our friends? God can raise a dead person to life. That, you know, Jesus interrupted a funeral. It's not like, you know, the guy just kind of got sick and he was unconscious and then Jesus touched him. And, I mean, he was dead for days. And he's back to life and he's talking. I mean, that's what God can do with any situation. No situation is too desperate. There was uh, something in the, in the news this week, I saw in the news on Friday, uh, where this woman was trapped in the rubble. There was this uh, disaster in Bangladesh, at an uh, industrial disaster, where uh, uh, over a thousand people perished. It, it was a garment factory that, that collapsed, and, and over a thousand people died. They rescued 2,500 people from the rubble, but they had given up all hope, you know, a couple of weeks go by. They had given up all hope of finding anyone else. But on Friday, the workers are sifting through the debris and a pipe starts to move. And so they're, they're like, what? you know, they start digging and they hear this woman saying, save me, save me. And they rescued this woman, uh, Reshma. She had been in there 17 days. They'd given up all hope of finding anybody else alive, but she'd been in there 17 days and she'd been surviving on bottled water and, and she came out alive and and, uh, you know, everything's fine. All her kidneys are working. Her, her liver's working. She's, she's in really good health, I mean, for being buried for 17 days. She was in this little pocket where she had a little bit of space. And, but people have given up all hope, and yet here she is. And that's what I imagine is, was kind of the atmosphere there with Jesus, that everybody given up all hope, and then this guy, suddenly he's, he's risen from the dead. And that's the, the kind of, uh, just the kind of situation I think we're facing. I, I'll show you a quick clip of this that I saw on Friday.
This is funny. Watch, watch this. Uh, watch this guy right here in a second here. It, it just shows you uh, the universality of some things. Watch, watch this guy. Hey, call me. <laughs> I love that. Uh, isn't that amazing? This woman, uh, 17 days later. That's that's God has that kind of power in our lives. There's never a reason to give up hope. Hope in desperate times. The last thing we're going to look at is that he's here to help. In verse 16, what's their reaction? It says, they were filled, they were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. I love that. I love their response to this. It says they were all filled with awe and praised God. That should be the definition of this community. That should defi- you know, define who we are in this church. That we're filled with awe and we're praising God. When we come together on Sunday to worship, when we come together to sing, that should be the heart that we bring. Wow, God is amazing. God is working. You know what I mean? Not like, oh, you know, I don't know, do I like this song or do I not like this song? Or, you know, who's here, who's not here? Or... Do you know what I'm saying? We should all have this, this mentality filled with awe, praising God. Uh, I gotta be honest with something. We, we are, uh, we're making a video for our website that gives people a little snapshot of what it's like to come to our church. So if somebody's interested in, in, in checking out our church, they can go online and there's gonna be a video that shows a little bit what the worship service is about. We, we talk a little bit and just so, so that they feel more, more comfortable in coming the first time. You know how it is if you, you're going somewhere and you don't know what it's gonna be like, you're less likely to go. So that's the whole point of this video. So, so uh, we have a brother who's a professional filmmaker, and he's been coming and shooting video of our services and, and uh, you know, video of people worshiping. And the hardest, thing, the hardest thing about making this video has been shots of people worshiping. Because in any shot, there's always somebody like... <laughs> or everybody's singing, and there's one person like... Or like, you know what I'm saying? I thought, man, that's not right. You know, you should be able to shoot any bit of the audience and everybody's praising. I love the kids choir over here when we were worshiping earlier. They're just like, woohoo! You know, that should be our fellowship. And I know it's hard because we're in this big auditorium and there's a lot of empty space. But who cares? You know, let's pull together. Let's praise God. Let's have a sense of awe. When anybody comes into this community, they should feel like, Wow, these people are excited. These people are happy. These people are joyful. And I think where we can lose our sense of that, we can lose our sense of awe is when we get farther and farther away from seeing the miracles. You know, when we've been around a long time and, and we've just been kind of plodding along and going through the motions, but we haven't been really living by faith. And so there's nowhere for God to even work. When you live by faith, you step out. Living by faith means, okay, you're stepping out and you're like, oh, I hope this holds me. And then God comes through and he, and he rescues you and you're like, wow, God is awesome. But if you're not living by faith, you're, you're just, you're doing what, you're living by sight. You're doing what you, you know is your planet safe. But then you, you, you don't have faith and you don't have awe and you don't have wonder and you don't have praise or any of this. You're just kind of going through the motions. So, so let's be a community of people who are living by faith. We're stepping out on our faith. We're, we're, we're doing things that, we're taking radical, bold steps of faith. And I think even being around people who are being transformed 
sharing our testimonies with one another. It was great. We had the Bizignanos over for dinner the other day, uh, uh, Dino and Irma, and we just were asking about how they became Christians. And my kids are there, and they're asking questions. And it built our faith, just hearing the story of how they became Christians. Somebody knocked on their door, and they were looking for God, and it just God worked. And, you know, just hearing stories like that fills us with faith, of what God is doing. Sharing personally about what God is doing. How often are you really doing that? Seeing your life that way. Hey, let me share with you what God is doing in my life. That's a great way to even share your faith, where it's not just... You know, putting something on somebody else. Hey, you ought to do this, or you ought to come with me to church, or you ought to study the Bible. Hey, let me just share with you what I'm learning. Let me share with you what God is doing. This is amazing, what God did. That should define who we are. And uh, It was cool. We were hanging out with Matt and Tisha last night, and they're so fired up, and their group is excited. That they have, we have community groups that we're split into in our, in our ministry. And there's a great couple who's been studying the Bible with uh, Matt and Tisha, uh, Freddie and Brenda. And uh, they first came to church. George invited them to come be a part of the kids' choir, one of their kids to be a part of the kids' choir. And then they started coming to church, and they came to the marriage retreat, and they were really impacted by that, and they started to study the Bible, and they've been studying, and they want to be disciples, they want to be baptized, and all these people in the community group have been getting in there and studying with them, and the whole community group is all excited because they're seeing a couple's lives be transformed. And so we need more of that. That should be who we are. That should define the community that we are. It should be just like this, where everybody's filled with awe and praising God. And what do they say? What's the, their takeaway message? It says, A great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. God has come to help his people. You know, that is really the takeaway message of who Jesus is. Is that on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided that God himself came down to help us. God is here to help us. God came as a man to live and walk among us, to die for us. So we would know God is not against us. He wants us to be with him forever. Now, the way God helps us is not always the way we want to be helped. You know, those of us who are parents, sometimes the help we provide is not necessarily what they want at the time. You know, maybe they won't understand why we're helping them in the way. But but as parents, we know we're trying to help them. And that's what Jesus says. He says... You know, if your son asks for bread, you're not going to give him a snake. Here you go, buddy. And we're evil, he says. And we know how to give give good, give good gifts to our kids. We know we're out for their best interest. Even though we're evil and we're flawed, we want what's best for our kids. How much more, our Heavenly Father? How much more is God here to help us? We can trust Him. We can trust His heart. We can trust His plan. It's going to work. His way always works. And yet sometimes we're just like kids that want to do it our own way. And we don't understand. And there are things that we just don't understand until we get older as kids. You know, there are certain things that we try to explain. Our kids are older now, 14, 11, 8 years old. And so we try to reason with them. We want to help them to learn how to make their own decisions and how to process things. And so we're trying to teach them how to make decisions. But there's, there's still some things that it's just because I said so. You know, you're not going to understand now. You know, you're not going to understand until you're older why we can't have a basketball hoop in the kitchen. I know it seems totally logical and it's a perfect spot for a basketball hoop, but we just can't do it. Yeah, but Calvin still doesn't understand. But that's how God is. I want to read a story about a mom, and then, uh, and then we'll close out here with one more verse. This is a, a story uh, I found about a mom. It says, Solomon Rosenberg and his wife... And their two sons and his mother and father were arrested and placed in a Nazi concentration camp. 
it was a labor camp, and the rules were simple. As long as you can do your work, you are permitted to live. When you become too weak to do your work, then you are exterminated. Rosenberg watched his mother and father marched off to their deaths, and he knew that next would be his youngest son, David, because David had always been a frail child. Every evening, Rosenberg came back into the barracks after his hours of labor and searched for the faces of his family. When he found them, they would huddle together, embrace one another, and thank God for another day of life. One day, Rosenberg came back and didn't see those familiar faces. He finally discovered his oldest son, Joshua, in a corner, huddled and weeping and praying. He said, Josh, tell me it's not true. Joshua turned and said, it is true, Papa. Today, David was not strong enough to do his work, so they came for him. But where is your mother? asked Mr. Rosenberg. Oh, Papa, he said. When they came for David, he was afraid and he cried. Mama said, there's nothing to be afraid of, David. And she took his hand and went with him. Isn't that the heart of a mom? To give her very life for her kid. And that's really what Jesus did for us in Romans 5, verse 6. It says, when we were unable to help ourselves, just like little David, at the right time, Christ died for who? For us. Although we were living against God, very few people will die to save the life of someone else. Although perhaps for a good person, someone might possibly die, but God shows his great love for us in this way. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what is our response? We've got to respond to that love. God is here to help us. We've got to respond. Open your heart to his plan for you. In a real practical sense, I encourage you to just get the Bible open with someone else and talk about your life. And, 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 and talk about how can I respond to Christ's love. What does that mean practically? What does that mean day to day? We're, in this church, we're really involved in each other's lives. We're friends throughout the week. It's not just when we see each other on Sunday. And so we would love to get to know you better. We would love to, to show you in the Scriptures, this is how to live in response to this kind of love. And, and, and don't be afraid to be open because we've all been there. We all have the dead corpse situation. And yet God is able to rescue us. God is able to transform us. God can do anything when we surrender to Him, when we live by faith in Him. He is here to help. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the way that he shows us that you are here to help us. God, thank you that we can trust in him and in his sacrifice made for us. God, I pray that we would respond to his grace today. God, I pray that we would be moved, just as we're moved by that mother who gave her life for her son. Help us to be moved that you gave your only son so that we could be with you forever. Help us to be moved by the sacrifice he gave for each one of us individually and how we even see from this story the way his heart went out to her, the individual, her own secret pain, her own heartache. God, help us to believe that you are that kind of God for each one of us today and help us to trust you. Forgive us for so often not trusting you, for so often putting our trust into other things, uh, possessions or career or uh, what people think of us or, or things other than you and help us to completely rely on you and the help that you provide for us. Thank you, Fathers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.